0: Welcome to Effortless Swimming, the podcast for swimmers, triathletes, and coaches. Join Australian swim coach Brenton Ford as he reveals the latest techniques and information to improve your swimming. Let's dive right in.
1: Welcome to the Effortless Swimming podcast. The topic of today's podcast is race pace training and how you can use it as part of your weekly training routine to increase your swim speed and slow down less. And my two guests, uh, Chris Ritter, who we've had on about 12 months ago, Chris and I spoke about strength training for swimmers, and it was probably one of the most well-received podcasts that we've done, that he gave a lot of useful exercises and tips for increasing your strength in order to swim faster, and he also had a lot of people visit his website to look at the strength progression exercises and routines that he recommended as part of the podcast, so that was an excellent one which you can go back and listen to. My second guest is Garrett McCaffrey, and he is a swim coach at the Phoenix Swim Club, and Chris has been developing his race pace training method for the last couple of years. He's added some things in, taken some things out and really just found a way that's worked best for him to help his athletes increase their swim speed by doing a lot more race type of efforts in training uh, and backing off from the typical volume based training. so we chat about that on the podcast how you can use it whether you're a, an age group swimmer a master swimmer or a triathlete or open water swimmer and like anything it depends on what you're training for and what your goals are as to what type of workouts you should be doing and it's not the be-all and end-all of training but I think it's a really important type of training to include for 99% of swimmers. And we also discuss who we feel this is probably most relevant to. And if you'd like to find out more about this race pace training, Garrett and Chris have put together a 12-week uh, training program, which is which progressively builds up, which you can find at effortlesswimming.com forward slash RPT. So if you feel like this is something that would help you increase your speed and slow down less, then you go to effortlesswimming.com forward slash RPT, and that will take you to Chris and Garrett's website, where they've got that 12-week training program. All right, let's get into it. Here's Chris Ritter and Garrett McCaffrey. Chris Garrett, welcome to the podcast thanks for um, thanks for joining me Thanks for having us Brenton. yeah
0: Brenton, good to and, talk to you again
1: hey, Chris we've had you in the podcast probably 12 months ago you were talking about s- strength training that was probably one of the best uh, one of the best responses I've, I've had from a podcast I had a lot of people email me back uh, just saying how much they got out of it and I know a lot of people uh, joined the program and uh, submitted their email for um, for a lot of the strength exercises that you um, that you offered. So looking forward to having you back on.
0: Yeah. And hopefully those people that are listening are stronger 12 months later, right? That's the key.
1: Exactly. Yeah. It's uh, it's it's all good learning things, but if you don't, don't do anything with it, well, it's, uh, it's really useless. But I mean, today we're talking about race pace training. And I think this is something that everyone can incorporate into their training in, in some way, uh, especially if they're short on time or they're, they're sort of stuck at a bit of a plateau. So uh, maybe, Garrett, can you give a bit of a, um, a background on what race-based training is and who it's best for?
2: Yeah, I think um, there's a a lot of different people who who throw the term around and um, a lot of different interpretations for exactly what it means. But for me, race-based training is a focus in your training program on the speed at which you'd like to compete, Um, And so that kind of answers the second part of that question too, Brenton, because it's definitely for swimmers who are interested in getting faster. Um, I think it could be used for any uh, type of race from open water, longer races, uh, obviously all the way down to the shortest events in the pool, uh, the 50s. Uh, So I I feel like it's it's still something that people are – are kind of starting to hear more and more. I think it's something that a lot of coaches already incorporate into their training as phases or sets. The way that uh, I've incorporated into my training, it is our focus
1: throughout the entire season. And you sort of uh, talk about it in two stages, where stage one is developing the speed itself, and then the next stage is developing speed endurance. So can you talk a little bit about how, how you go about doing that? Sure. So we we started um, doing some of the race
2: pace sets that uh, a coach of mine um, really brought from another coach here in the States, actually in in Arizona, Charlie Cunningham, who is now one of the assistants at Grand Canyon University. And and one of my coaches had trained under Charlie and Charlie had come up with these parametric sets. Um, A a couple of them are uh, 50s on on two minutes for back-end type 100 speed, um, 25s on one minute for front-end type 100 speed, uh, 50s on anywhere between 50 or a minute um, for 200 pace, and and 100s on two minutes for back-end 200 pace. And we started to just build through those. And and then um, one of the sets that Brent Rushel, who is really the guy who put the science to this type of training, um, and and you know he's an Australian, but he uh, he now lives in San Diego, California, and and he put a lot of his time and research into um, the science behind the type of training that um, I now I use. Um, and his one of his main sets is twenty uh, fives on anywhere between thirty or forty, a little bit of a tighter rest than what Charlie uses for his twenty fives on one and. Um, and and with with Dr. Russell's twenty fives, he started a, a type of set called "Miss One Sit One." So you you either take a a, a pace from your actual race, like what the middle two twenty fives in a short course race would be, and you try to hold that for anywhere between twelve to all the way up to thirty. I think some coaches go um, even higher than that, up into forties and the fifties, which is pretty uh, pretty intense. But you go through that set and if you're hitting the pace, let's say it's 13 seconds for a 25. Say you hit a 13 second, then you do another one um, on the next interval. But say you go a 14 second instead of a 13 second, then instead of trying on the next interval, you rest for an interval. So it's a miss one, sit one approach. And, and that way you are only spending time swimming at the speed that you want to race. And what I found is that That type of approach is really hard on the high school to college age kids that I coach. You know, they, I I don't want to say it's a generational thing, but they look at that missing one as failure and it starts to weigh on them psychologically. And it's, it's kind of, um, it's definitely a set that we do because I think they need to get used to dealing with failure and they need to understand why we're making them sit one out, but they they uh, sometimes do better when it's just straight up fastest average. They end up spending more of those reps at or under the goal time than if we try resting for one and then trying again. So the idea behind it is just to be spending time using your practice time at a race-applicable speed, whether that's 50 speed, 100 speed, 200 speed, 500 speed, um, 1650 speed, whatever it would be, um, or fifteen hundred speed, I guess for for the Australian uh, swimmers, um, it, it it's just making sure that you're not just going back and forth and trying to track as many yards as you can. You're trying to spend as much yards at race applicable
1: speed as possible. Mm. And I've incorporated like when I'm when I'm giving workouts to people, I try to incorporate a lot of that sort of thing where it's about hitting that constant speed and and not slowing down because in, in any race, whether it's the 100 free or the 200 free, or it's the longer distance stuff with a half Ironman or a full Ironman distance event, it's about being able to maintain, first of all, your speed and also maintain your technique. And that's why I really like to cut down the, the distance of the, the reps of each set. So whether it's 25s or, or 50s, Often doing that instead of doing 200s or 400s, it allows the swimmer to get that rest to to reset, recover, and then go again and and hit that target speed that they're looking for, but also maintain technique because you know as well as I do that when you're coaching swimmers pretty regularly, their technique can drop off towards the end of a a 200 or a 400 in training. So if you give them that time to recover, they just get used to holding form from the start of a set all the way to the, the end
2: yeah, it's the idea of, of muscle memory. We've all heard that term, and um, it, it's a real thing. It actually takes place in the nervous system. But you know, you're, you you want to train that body to be to be ready to go at that race pace, so that that speed is automatic in the race. And um, I so kind of going back to your last question because I don't think I really got to answer it, Brendan. Sorry, I got going on on uh, the, the development of how I came to the race pace stuff, and I didn't answer your phase question. So what I started to to notice is that we hit a, a phase in the middle of the season where they started to get stale when we were just going those fast efforts one after another after another. And like you, you know, you see their technique breakdown and they even had trouble hitting the, the speeds that they were going earlier in the season. So I had to try to figure out a way to 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 keep that speed um, as we progressed through the season and build it. So I kind of I started playing around with building some active recovery efforts in between. So, um, you know, still not any garbage yardage. It it was um, a little bit of either recovery for like a kick 25 or, you know, something easy and then a setup 25, like a distance per stroke or a drill 25 and then doing the fast one instead of just going fast one after fast one after fast one. But eventually, phase two, you need to go fast one after fast one after fast one because that's when the real adaptations take place that allow you to hold that speed. So, um, you know, that second phase is about slowing down less because you take those reps, which in phase one of the program are protected by um, active recovery and some some intervals that we kind of cushion a little bit more to protect the speed to allow them to go hopefully a faster speed than they've ever been before and really raise the bar on, you know, their base speed, so to speak. Um, and then and the second phase, you know, even though it's much more difficult and even though some of the kids really get into that psychological um, uh Struggle. It is important to be able to hit those those paces for reps as many as you can, and for as many in a row as you can. So that's kind of how the um, you know we first protect the speed and the technique early in the season um, to to really kind of hopefully raise the bar on how fast they can go, and then in that second part try to get it so that they can maintain that speed um, and ideally slow down less in their races.
1: Mm. I used to go to a masters squad here in Australia, and I was starting to see a big transition to this type of training in, in masters athletes. One, I think, because of time is when people are working full time, they have kids, and yeah, it, it's hard to squeeze in a uh, a really sort of a long workout that might be ninety minutes. So sometimes, if they're training by themselves, I see people go to the pool. They might only swim for forty-five minutes, and you know, maybe. 30 to 45 minutes. So it's a short, short set, but they're really getting that quality training done. They're hitting that high intensity, and you know their, their times aren't aren't any aren't slower than those people who are doing the longer sessions. Some more often than not, they're able to hit those faster speeds when they're racing. So I think it's really good in terms of time effectiveness um, mm-hmm. or the effectiveness spent training. Uh, but I think it can also be difficult to manage, from what I've from my experience, it can be difficult to make that transition from. I guess, doing your old school approach to training uh, and then changing it to this sort of race pace training, it can be quite a, a mindset shift, but also uh, quite uh, a different thing for the the athletes themselves to, to take on because they're not, they might not be hitting five, six K every session. If they're used to that, they might only be hitting you know, half that. And so they feel like they haven't quite gotten the workout that they would have otherwise. But when you know, you're going for results here, you're going for that end speed, uh, how have you out with that change in going to race pace training it's hard and i'm
2: assuming that a lot of your master swimmers are still swimming because at some point they had some success in the sport right yeah and so they had success doing it most likely you know the the high volume endurance focused um approach and so when you've had success it's really hard to, to look at this because it's so different, and it's not easier, and I think that's probably the biggest misconception that people have when they're transitioning from a more traditional program into this type of training is that you know, you're know you doing less yardage, so it must be easier, or you know, you've got it so ingrained, you spent so long trying to tally up as many yards every week as you could that now you're saying, okay, it's not how many yards you can squeeze in, which... I don't know, you know, like the interval determines how, how hard the practice is in a traditional program, the interval and the, and the reps and, and, and that's kind of determining the hard, whereas in race pace training, you decide how hard it's going to be. If you're at the end of a race pace training session and you feel like it wasn't much of a workout, well then that's your fault for not going faster. And, and I think, um, that is a tough thing for people to transition into because it's a different kind of work. It's, like a race where it's as hard as you want to push it. I mean, there's no interval on a race. Um, you know, none of our races are going to go more than you know six or seven minutes, even if it's a, a even if it's a four hundred or you know, I guess for for master swimmers it might be a little bit more than that, but it's definitely not going to go the hour that they spend in the water, and it's not going to go for five five thousand meters like they are in the water. I mean, there's no. There's no races in the pool that are that long. So the idea that we need to be going so far beyond what we're racing at is, if you think about it, kind of crazy, but it's something that we've done for so many years and you've seen so many people have success with it, that it's sometimes tough to let go of what they've experienced and what they know for something that I I don't understand how it couldn't make more sense for them, you know? So, uh, you know, I think the the transition is two-part. They've had success doing it a different way, and they're they're so in tune to counting yards that they don't understand that you can make a 25 or multiple 25s really hard. You can make a 50 really hard. You can definitely make 100s extremely hard. You want to try – Try to hit 200 pace for one 100. I'm saying, like, take your best 200 time and try to hit half of that time for one 100 in practice. And then try to do it for two if you're lucky enough to do it for one. You know, if you're good enough to do it for one, I should say, not lucky. But then do it for two or three. And, you know, you're not going to be able to do it for, you know, 2,000 yards. You're not going to be able to do 20 of those 100s. I don't care if you're doing them on three minutes. You're not going to be able to hit that speed. And if you are, then your 200 is not where it should be. So it, it's it's a different kind of hard that I'm not sure our traditional programs um, have set our, our swimmers up to, to
1: really understand how to work that kind of system. Mm. I think it's so important as swimmers start to to get older, so the Masters athletes, just to really do that short Sharp training because to, to hit that high intensity to hit that speed, uh, it's it it can be very rare in a lot of a lot of sessions, a lot of workouts these days. So I think I think that is really important. And the other thing as well is strength training. And uh, Chris, I mean, I'm sure you'll attest to this: is as as people start to age, once they start to get into their 30s, 40s, 50s, and you, you work with a lot of master swimmers, do you, do you see a big correlation between someone's ability to Build strength or maintain their strength through doing the type of workouts we spoke about in the podcast we recorded a couple of months ago. Um, So a correlation between that and their ability to maintain their speed as they get older.
0: Oh, yeah. And I think think it plays off each other too because a lot of the master swimmers that i work with in terms of doing their strength training they're they're getting more uh i want to say almost drawn to the race pace training because it it hits them on a lot of levels Mm. they don't have a lot of time to swim right they don't want to be there for hours on end and you know they don't want to be there (laughs) any longer than they have to they want to get in get their workout and go on with their life or if they're retired having fun you know like they don't want to be in the pool and I think the race-based training just it makes sense on so many levels like physiology-wise. And, and you know, that's kind of my background, what I come from. And I always had a hard time meshing that with what the swimming world was doing. You know, so even though you got results, you know, going the, the more quote-unquote traditional route or the higher volume, um, not to say it didn't work, but is that really the best way to do it? And I think, you know, Dave Salo in the States started asking that question, you know, in the late 70s and 80s basically and it's kind of I think the forefather of this race pace training movement of it. Um, and I think it's funny. It's kind of been rebirthed a couple times. But it's really about, you know, you want to practice swimming fast and slowing down less. And, and Garrett kind of coined that phrase. I really like it. It's, you know, it's just about going faster and practicing what you're racing. And then if you couple that with strength training, you're getting both the, the same physiological effects on both ends, whether you're on land or in the water, and you're actually complementing your training. Whereas if you're going higher volume in the water all the time, and then you do try to do some strength work, at some, at some point it's kind of fighting against each other and you may not get as good results because they're almost neutralizing each other a little bit. Whereas this way, you're doing both things uh, in terms of physiology-wise in the water and on land and they're working together to get better. So I think it's the best of both worlds really.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I want to point out for the, the people listening, it, it really depends what you're training for and what your, your goals are. I, th- I think there's definitely still a place for uh, longer, easier sessions, whether it's re- recovery swims or or we give our triathletes a lot of pool boy paddles work and it might be longer distances, low heart rate, just to build strength and, and build their aerobic base in the water. But we also work in the the race pace uh, training as well. So it's um, I-, I find when you're talking with someone and they might have heard something off YouTube or off a podcast like this, they take that as gospel and they don't then look at it how it might apply to them. So if someone's maybe training for, a, for the English channel, for example, and they listen to this and then they change their workouts from putting in a lot of case to build up the strength and endurance that they need to get through that if they change from, from that to doing 25s, it might have some place, but it's not going to replace their training. So with anything that uh, that you, know, you you learn or you hear, it's about how it applies to you. And then I think getting the the advice from having that, so you're speaking to an expert on whether that that applies to them or how it applies to them. So do you sort of feel the same way, Garrett, in, in that it yeah, it's really about how does it apply to what you're training for and what your, your goals are? I totally agree with it. Yeah, I think that you have to keep in mind
2: what your goal competition is. And if your goal competition is to complete uh, you know, the English Channel, then you need to be prepared to to swim for that distance. And um, And I still think that you could find ways, if you want to improve your time on the English Channel, if you're going after some kind of age group record or record in that, then there's ways that you can kind of break that down into – you know whether you're doing two hundreds, four hundreds, maybe all the way up to eight hundreds. At that speed, you can kind of use the race pace training from time to time to try to 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 try to incorporate within your workout. But I, I mean, this is not a um, a, a race pace. Um, I don't want to say exclusive. It This there, I've I've found that mixing in different parts of it, including aerobic progressions. Like you kind of talked about, we like to use paddles at different points. Um, especially with some of my distance kids. Um, I think that you've got to cater it to not only your competition, but what you like and what you, um, as a swimmer, uh, enjoy doing. And if you can't just, you can't just always, I hate this example because Bob Bowman, Michael Phelps, coach used this as his example of, uh, of race pace training, like it might be vegetables, and it might be the very best thing for you, but you can't always eat vegetables. And I hate it, and I love it because I think <laughs> it could still be the focus. But it is—it's—he's right. Of course, he's right. He's—he's he's a great coach, but um, you know, you can't necessarily uh, just take on an exclusive diet of of one thing. So I think the program that I put together. Uh, you know, acknowledges that. And there's a kick progression built into it. And there's an aerobic progression built into it. And there's specialty sets when we break down into IMers and sprinters and distance swimmers that has descend work in it. Um, you know, some of the, the 200 and 100 progressions have descend work in it. Um, because, you know, I I, I also worked with uh, a swimmer, um, Roland Schoeman, who, who did race pace exclusively for a stretch. And he said he felt like um like the knife was getting worn dull he was sharpening the knife so much that it almost dulled the knife and so this program kind of accommodates for that you know it it protects the speed like i said i i found that with a lot of even my high school swimmers they got to a point where they weren't getting faster and they weren't even able to maintain their early season speed so that's where this You know, this progression kind of came in where we're mixing a descend one to three, then a one fast, one easy, and then hit them all in a row, you know, to kind of protect that speed. Because I still believe that the best thing, even for somebody who is training for a longer race or an open water race, the best thing and the most valuable use of their time is to practice at the speed that they would like to compete at. I I think physiologically that is the best way for them to be spending their time. But as humans and not robots, it's not always that easy. So, you know, building things into it to set them up for success when they do attempt to go their race pace efforts or their, you know, their, their competition efforts, I think is, is part of the art to, uh, to the coaching and, and part of what I'm sure you do as a master's coach and what all coaches do ways to get what they need to done in a way that their swimmers can do it and can do it well. Mm.
0: Hey Brenton, if I could jump yeah, into uh, my from my perspective, I think the cool thing with with Garrett because he came on uh, the coach's corner where we were basically able to see, you know, his workouts for four weeks. And I liked it how he was giving it his own spin. You know, it wasn't like, okay, instead of, you know, following like high volume, for example, like to the letter, he wasn't doing that for race based training either. He was still allowing himself to be a coach and, like he said, adapt it in different ways and, and fit it to his style, his program, you know, the athletes he's coaching. And so, yeah, this is not the definitive program on race based training by any means, but I think it's a really cool mix that he's put together. And I, I think it just really meshes with a lot of swimmers and coaches out there that are trying to think, okay, how how do I implement this race pace training? It seems like this elusive thing out there or this super complicated thing. But I think Garrett's done the work and, you know, he's used other coaches as resources and now he's, he's put it in the pot and it's come out his own kind of mix. And I just think it's a, re- a really cool, uh, and, and solution here.
1: Yeah. And I think that's the key, isn't it? You know, coaching is really an art. It's, you've got the the basis of, of sort of science behind it, but when you get all of those, those inputs, it's about, Creating your own output with them, so you know taking taking the race based training, and it may not be to the letter of the law of how someone else has set it out, but it's about adapting it to your style of coaching and how you feel you can get the best results from your swimmers with it. And you know, same, I find the same thing with, with my coaching now. I'm coaching more triathletes than than master swimmers, but it's about using my background as a competitive swimmer, a masters coach um and also um but also now coaching more triathletes so sort of using all of that and putting it into into workouts and sessions that i feel will give them the the best result for what they're training for so really um there's no there's no right or wrong but there is after coaching for years and years you come to understand what tends to get the best results for for different kinds of swimmers and one thing that we say when we run clinics is that we're not going to try and fit you into this one idea of how people should swim, because a lot of times we get people who will come and they they will have seen Sun Yang on on YouTube and they they've been trying to swim like him, and they might be uh, someone who's five foot six, they've got short limbs, they don't have a uh, much of a background in swimming, and there's no chance that they're going to swim anything like Sun Yang, and if they do, it's not going to be effective for them. So. It's about finding what works for them and, um, and then sort of t- tailoring the feedback uh, in, in that way. So it's, uh, it really is an art uh, of coaching and, and we've got a number of coaches who, um, who, who work with us and we've all got very different styles but with the same, I guess, um, philosophy behind it. So it's a very individual thing and, and that's what makes it interesting and exciting too. You go to different programs, you go to different coaches and you might take away... A couple of different things from each of them, but and then apply it and and see what works best for you. Yeah, it's it, I I feel like the um, artistic side
2: of it is what drew me into it, the creative side of it, and and doing sets and and different types of of workouts that engage the swimmers. Um, I, I found that as a fun challenge as a coach because I feel like I spent a lot of time as a swimmer zoning out and not engaged. And I don't think there's many other sports where that's what you're supposed to do. Just get a song in your head and grind it out. So I really enjoyed um, the creative side of it and the artistic side, so to speak. But at a certain point, you need some structure to be able to direct the work. And I feel like the best thing that our sport has um, and the biggest draw for our sport is that we can show improvement. We can show success. It's you know, it's right there. The clock doesn't lie. And, and that battle with the clock lets you know if you're b- becoming better at something. And so um, I, I feel like I I kind of took that creative side and I still have to, I have to give myself that outlet in, in certain sets and in certain places. But I, I don't want to get lost just, you know, trying to chase after, like you said, the Soon Yang training and then the, uh, you know, the, the James Magnuson training and trying to just do all these different types of sets. Cause then I just get lost with a big pile of nothing. It's like trying to, mm. it's trying to cook with different recipes and all of a sudden you put all these different ingredients, um, in and it just comes out to be yuck. <laughs> so there's gotta be some kind of structure. There's gotta be some kind of progression that keeps it moving towards the improvement because, that's why swimmers stay with our sport. They need to improve. And I think that the structure that, that I've come up with and, and just through like you and every other coach have, have just done it through experience and it's where it's at right now. And I can't promise that in three years it'll look the exact same because I'm sure I'll be learning other things and, and be tweaking it all the time because that's what any great coach would do. But this structure allows for creativity – but it also allows the swimmers to be able to see, oh, man, wow, yeah, I am getting better on my average for my 50s on two. Oh, man, I made more 25s on 30 than I ever have before. Or oh, I didn't make as many as I have before, but I made more in a row this week than I did last week. And that kind of success just helps keep them moving in the middle of the season. And, and, and being able to, to see that improvement in practice gives them confidence when it comes to stepping behind the blocks
1: and looking for improvement. Mm. And that structure that you're talking about, I see it very much as like building a, a house. You've got the the base, the foundation. You've got the walls, but then everything else the, the color of the paint, the the windows, the styling that's all yeah, that's all sort of open for um for what you want to do. So you, you've got the foundation there to and the structure that that stays, but then that you're allowed to get that creative side out um, with the, the decoration and that sort of thing. And exactly. you, you mentioned your your program and your your structure, so can you talk a little bit a bit about the race pace training two system that you've just released because i want to i want to talk a bit about that and how you see it um or who you see it working best for and just to um get a bit of insight into how you've structured it
2: so like I said we kind of uh you know we played around with just doing the straight up um you know, one rep after another, if you're making your pace, you keep going. If you're not making your pace, then you rest one and then try to keep going. And, you know, it worked well for a while. Um, but after a while, they just kind of hit a plateau and they, they got to a middle part of the season where it kind of it, it stalled out a little bit. I wasn't seeing them get faster the way that it was supposed to based on the science. So um, I, I built in some of that active recovery to help structure. So we've we've got three progressions. Um, a 100 pace progression, a 200 pace progression um, and then an aerobic progression that we work through three different sets twice a week. So let's just dive into the, the 100 pace progression for example. Um, one day we'll do a dPS distance per stroke uh, so a set of a set of 25s and we do them on 30 it's yards just for for your listeners so it's a little bit shorter than the meters. Um, that you guys would be doing short course. Um, but you're looking for at least like a, a one to one and a half work to rest ratio. One to two work to rest ratio isn't a bad thing whatsoever. Um, when in doubt, give them a little bit more rest so that you're setting them up for that success and that good technique. Um, but we we build one where it's a, a DPS. So, you know, you just call it a smooth, easy speed type effort, then one fast, and then a recovery effort to just kind of um, give them a chance to protect that speed. So that's what they would say. Let's say if we're doing our 100 pace on um, on Mondays and Thursdays. So on Monday, you would see one of those sets. It would start at 12 um, fast ones and build all the way up to 20 fast ones. So the first time you see it, um, it would be thirty six twenty fives, where you go one DPS, one fast, one easy 12 times through. Then the next time you see it on Thursday, it would be one DPS, one fast, 12 times through for a total of 24 25s. And then when you come back to it the following Monday, it would just be 12 straight up on 30 fastest average. Then on the Thursday, when you come back to the progression, then you would be going up to 13. So then it would be 39, I'm doing that math off the top of my head, I hope I got it right, but I'm pretty sure it would be 39 25s, one DPS one fast, one easy 13 times through. And then the following Monday, it would be one DPS, one fast, um, which is still quality work. It's a little bit of speed play. They're still working on their stroke. They're still counting their strokes for efficiency. It is in no way garbage yardage, but not having to go fast for each one of those reps adds for a little like active recovery so that they can go fast on those fast efforts. Um, and then, the uh the following i think we were on a thursday then it would be 13 straight up fastest average and once we get up to about 15 of those so that progression would just continue once you get up to about 15 of those then the fastest average becomes miss one sit one but the you know dps fast easy version of that set stays the same and we build all the way up to 20 so all the way up to they're doing 60 25s a 30 minute set um and you know you're or sorry ninety 20, sorry I was right sixty twenty five is a thirty minute set you're doing twenty of those fast so you're doing five hundred yards um, faster than your hundred pace throughout this thirty minute set and they're going faster than their hundred pace on the fifty ninth effort because that would be the last fast one I'm I'm telling you they they hold their speed or faster on these type of sets all the way through the set, whereas normally you get to the end of a 30-minute set, you're, you're running on fumes. But because of the active recovery, they never really accumulate any lactic acid, and they're able to hit that speed over and over and over and over again. And the neurological adaptation just becomes so much more effective. So, you know, it just really protects that speed. And then, you know, I'm, I'm talking to the kids. I'm like, all right, you've done 60-25s. You've done a 30-minute set. Now let's just do... 40 25s, one DPS, one fast. And usually, 99% of the time, they are at or faster than their 100 speed for all 20 of the fast ones again, right? And then you say, okay, so you have now, in two different sets in the last week and a half, done 20 reps faster than the speed that I'm even asking you to go here. Now I'm asking you to put together 20 in a row. It'll be over in 10 minutes, it's gonna be intense. But it'll be over quickly, and you've already proven to yourself that you're able to hit that many reps, but now you just have to put them back to back to back to back. Way easier said than done, but at least it gives them, you know, some feel for what they're about to try to do. And, um, you know, by the time that they do that, they only, you know, they build up to that. And then by the time that they're able to get close to 20 of those reps, then we kind of go back down and we, we set that average a little bit faster. And then we try to just put those together. And we kind of cut out those other two parts of the progression where there's – instead of going uh, DPS uh, fast and easy, we cut that part out and we just start going two fast, one easy. And then we start going three fast, one easy. And we alternate between that building um, and the miss one, sit one, fastest average. And it's very similar for the 200 pace except it's 50s on fifty. And then um, we also we mix in that aerobic set where you're mixing in fifties, seventy fives, and one hundreds um, on a roughly three to one type work to rest ratio. Um, you know, we do our one hundred yards on one twenty, and we do the fifties on forty, and we alternate one day of that. You're, they're just trying to make that interval and control their heart rate. Um, and then the other day that they do that that week, they try to go after 500 or 400 type speed um, on those reps. And so you know they're they're either doing 50s, 75s, or hundreds. It's never look no week looks the exact same. It's not monotonous in that way. Um, and and those progressions just kind of keep it fresh and it keep evolving. Um, and then we also do parametric sets that are still built around their race speed. I think I talked about these. Um, from a coach that we, that has done this for decades and just gone over just relentlessly. Uh, Chris has had him on, on his podcast, and Charlie has spent years putting together sets that he be, that he has proven to equate to back end speed or front end speed. Um, you know, like you can take these sets, these parametric sets that he's built, and you can basically put their averages together and predict exactly not only what they're going to swim, but how they're going to split it. It's kind of, it's kind of crazy how accurate it is. And so we mix in those parametric sets that we build on throughout the entire year. Um, and you know, we allow them to go between a primary 100 and a secondary 100, a primary 200 and a secondary 200. So they're able to specialize. Um, and my group is, you know, I've got uh, kids who are freshmen in high school all the way up through, um, I, I work with Bria Larson, who uh, is, it was a 2012 U.S. Olympian, um, NC2A record holder, um, and you know she works with, with this same group, and they're all able to specialize. They're all doing the same sets, um, but because it it's specialized for the individual, just based on what pace they're going, it's able to accommodate that wide range of of ability and. And, um, what I've found is that they're able to continuously improve. You see improvement, not only in practice, but you see it in season. And I think that's another one of the perks of, of a race pace type program. We're not putting off success until the end of the season, you know, breaking you down to build you up for one good meet at the end of the season. We're, you know, at our highest volume of work, we're at speed the most. So they're able to go fast in season and we see a lot of, of improvement in season so that, you don't get necessarily the humongous drop at the end of the season. But if you look at the drop over the entire season, it's been a progressive drop that if you look from start of the season to the end is that humongous drop. It's just done in a little bit um, at a time in each meet that we do. We never swim broken down where they're not expecting to go at least close to their best time. So, um, you know, I, I, it's, Uh, it's something that has taken a few years to kind of put together and, and, you know, through trial and error, figuring out what works best for, for the, the type of swimmer that, that we work with. And really the type, that type of swimmer is somebody who wants to get better. They have to be invested. It can't be, you know, somebody who's forced to be at practice. It's not for people who are just out there to stay fit and, uh, and, and just, you know, practicing for fitness because you have to push yourself to a different level that most people who are just exercising aren't willing to push themselves to. Um, it's out there for people who want to get better and really want to get better, and I think it's effective as long as you bring that type of that type of approach where you want to get better and you're willing to put in the work and the pain and the struggle to get better. Um, this program can work for you.
1: I think it's a lot more doable. To yeah, to push yourself if you're training on your own. So if you you get the race pace uh, training program and you've got the workouts there, and if you're just doing these by yourself without other swimmers or or a coach, it's so much easier to push yourself for uh, 25 meters at a time instead of doing 10 200s where you're really trying to push each of the uh, push each of those. So that's um because I do a lot of training by myself and I, I find that it's if i if I just can't really be bothered training, but I know I've got to do it if I've got one of those days I'll do something very similar to that where it's twenty fives or fifty meters at most at at effort and it you know you, you usually feel pretty good at the the end of it you're fatigued, but because you're hitting that the pretty high speeds uh you know you, you feel pretty good about yourself and it's um so much easier to do on your own yeah, you, and sorry you know you got something out of it mm right that's it yeah exactly and it's it sounds a bit silly but it's it's fun to go at at that sort of speed as opposed to just 70% effort the whole way for the whole session you really feel like you've um you've got that that benefit and especially if you haven't done much intensity you know lately you you you'll be pretty tired even after 825s at speed it's just a different type of workout compared to the um the longer slower ones and for example, we did a main set today, myself and two friends, and uh, one of my friends, he he's only back in the water for, for two weeks after a couple of weeks out, and the main set was 800 meters and probably 300 meters of it was actually fast, or maybe 400, yet he was absolutely spent at the end of it. So you totally. don't need to do a lot to get a good workout. No, I, I, I the kids,
2: a lot of times, the kids in my group, are laying on the pool deck after a set. And, you know, I know that that's mission accomplished. And, you know, I tell them all the time, this is not the kind of work that if you just make the reps and make the intervals that you're going to get better. That's not how this works. You can't just go through the motions. And I feel like, you know, you can, you can kind of get by in, a, in, in the traditional programs that I grew up swimming in, um, that I feel like majority of people grew up swimming in. You just kind of can get by. You can sit at the back of the lane. You can make the reps. You don't necessarily know if you're getting better, um, but when when you're going against the clock and everything is is for time and and it's intense, you know you know if you got better that day or not. And and I think Chris talks a little bit about it too. The physiological benefits are so much more effective when you're at that high intensity. It's better for your heart. It's better for weight loss. It's better for everything. So. Um, you know, uh, time-wise, you know, getting that work in into a shorter window is better. Plus, you just finish, and you know what work you got in, whereas just kind of going through yards, and, and like you said, it's 75%. You know, you got your heart rate up. It's probably the equivalent of going out for a jog, and it's definitely beneficial. It's great for exercise. You're probably fitter because of it, but you don't know if you got faster.
1: Mm. And uh, for, for those listening – if you'd like to check out the race pace training system, you can go to effortlesswimming.com and then RPT. So RPT standing for race pace training. Uh, I'll also provide a link on the web page for this podcast. So uh, effortlesswimming.com forward slash RPT. And uh, I've had a look through some of the the workouts on there, and yeah, really I really like the the structure of them, and they're all about speed, all about going fast and and slowing down less. So um, Garrett. Chris, thank you very much for joining me on the podcast. And um, it was a long time between drinks, Chris, but um, I'm sure I'll uh, get you back on the podcast again a few months down the track. So appreciate the time. Yeah, thanks, Brenton. Thank you so much for having us on, Brenton.
0: Thanks for joining us on the Effortless Swimming Podcast. To get transcriptions, bonus videos, and to be the first to hear about new episodes, go to swimmingpodcast.com.